Meanwhile, there in her house to the other companions had Circe thoughtfully given a bath, and with oil of the olive had rubbed them. Then about them she had thrown fine clothes, wool mantles, and tunics. All of them we found eating a good meal there in the palace. When they had each looked straight in the face and had known one another, sorrowing they all wailed, and around them the palace resounded. Straightway, standing beside me, the glorious goddess addressed me. Zeus sprung, son of Laertes, Odysseus of many devices, raise no longer the swelling lament. I know without telling both what pains you have suffered in crossing the fish-thronged seaway, then what damages hostile men on the land have inflicted. But come, eat the provisions, and drink your fill of the wine now, till such time as again in your breast you have taken the spirit back as it was when first you were leaving the land of your fathers, Ithaca, rugged and rocky, for now you are spiritless, wasted, always remembering such hard wandering, nor is there any spirits at all in your mirth, since so many ills you have suffered. So she spoke, and in us persuaded the valorous spirits. Then for the whole day through, for a year's full circle of seasons, we sat banqueting there on meat unstinted and sweet wine. But at the end of the year, when the seasons again were returning, with the decline of the months as the long days came to completion, finally calling me forth, my trustworthy comrades addressed me. Charm-struck man, take mine now at last of the land of your fathers. If it is willed by the heavens that you be saved, that you go back there to your well-built house, back there to the land of your fathers. So they spoke, and the valorous spirit in me was persuaded. So it was that for that whole day till the hour of the sunset we sat banqueting there on meat unstinted and sweet wine. Then when the sun went down and the shadows of night came upon us, they lay down to their sleep all over the shadowy chambers. I in the meantime mounted the beautiful bedstead of Circe. Grasping her knees I implored her, the goddess heard what I uttered. Raising my voice, I spoke, and in these winged words I addressed her. Circe, accomplish for me the agreement you earlier promised, sending me home, for in me already the spirit is eager, as in the other companions, and my dear heart they are wasting, woefully groaning around me the times when you have gone elsewhere. So I spoke and at once that glorious goddess responded. Zeus sprung, son of Laertes, Odysseus of many devices, do not stay any longer against your will in my palace. Yet you first must accomplish a different journey and go down into the palace of Hades and Persephone, honored and dreaded, seeking prophetic advice of the Theban Tiresias spirit, that blind prophet in whom is a mind still fresh in its vigor. Only to him, even after his death, has Persephone granted living, intelligent thought. Like shadows, the rest are a flitter. So she spoke, and the heart inside me was utterly shattered. There on her bed I sat down sorrowing, nor did my spirit wish any longer to live and to look upon Helios' sunlight. 
When I had sated myself with groveling, weeping, and groaning, finally then I addressed her in these words, giving an answer. What man, Circe, is he who will guide our way on that journey? No one has ever arrived in Hades' domain on a black ship. So I spoke, and at once that glorious goddess responded, Zeus sprung son of Laertes, Odysseus of many devices, do not trouble your heart with desire for a guide on your galley. Setting the mast upright, then hoisting and spreading the white sails, sit down, then will the breath of the north wind carry her onward. But when at last in the ship you have crossed clear over the ocean, there is a brush-grown shore, and the groves Persephone hallows, tall black poplars, and willows that cast their fruit unripened. Run out the ship just there on the beach of deep eddying ocean. You yourself go on to the moldering palace of Hades. There into sorrowful Acheron flows Pyrophlegathon's fire and mournful Cocytos, a branch of the Styx's detestable waters. There is a rock and the junction of those two thundering rivers. There then, hero, as soon as you draw close in, as I bid you, dig out a pit of a cubit's extent one way and the other, into it then pour out libations to all who have perished. First a commingling of honey and milk, sweet wine for the second, water the third, and at last white barley you sprinkle upon them. Then pray hard to the fleeting and strengthless souls of the perished. Say that in Ithaca, when you arrive, you will offer a barren cow, the best one in your palace, and heap up the pyre with your treasures. Then for Tiresias separately, you will offer an all-black ram, whichever is most outstanding among your sheep-flocks. When to the glorious tribes of the dead you have made your entreaties, offer a male of the flock, and a female also, a black one, turning their heads toward Erebus. You in the other direction turn yourself, and set out to the streams of the river, and many shades will arrive there soon, of the bodies of those who have perished. Straightway then you rouse your companions and tell them to take those sheep that are lying about, just killed by the pitiless sword blade, flay their bodies and burn them, and offer the gods their entreaties, Hades the powerful one, Persephone honored and dreaded. Then do you sit there, drawing your keen sword out of its thigh sheath, nor may you let those fleeting and strengthless souls of the perished come any nearer the blood before hearing Tiresias' teachings. Straightway then will approach you the prophet, the lord of the people. He will inform you about your road and the length of your journey, and of your homecoming, how on the fish-thronged sea you will travel. So she spoke, and at once upon us came dawn of the gold throne, Circe at once put garments around me, a mantle and a tunic. So, too, the nymph put on a capacious and shimmering mantle, graceful and delicate. Fastened around her waist was a lovely girdle of gold, and above on her head she was wearing a headscarf. Going along through the house, I started to rouse the companions, standing beside each man with words of persuasion and comfort. Now, no longer continue to lie here sleeping a sweet sleep. No, let us go, since Circe the goddess has given directions. So I spoke, and the valorous spirits in them were persuaded. Yet not even from there without loss did I lead the companions.
There was a man, Elpener, the youngest of them, who was neither very courageous in battle, nor ready and steadfast in judgment. Longing for cool, fresh air in the sacred palace of Circe, he lay heavy with wine, well away from my other companions. Hearing the tumult and noise that the comrades made by their movements, suddenly he jumped up. In his mind he did not remember when he started departing to climb back down the long ladder. But as he fell headlong from the edge of the roof and the neck bones broke from the joints, his soul went down to the dwelling of Hades. Then as the men were departing, I spoke these words there among them. Probably you are expecting to go back home to the much-loved land of your fathers, but Circe decrees us a different journey into the dwelling of Hades and Persephone, honored and dreaded, seeking prophetic advice of the Theban Tiresias spirit. So I spoke, and the hearts inside them were utterly shattered. There on the spot they sat down wailing and tearing their hair out. Nevertheless, no profit to them came out of their weeping. But when down to the swift ship then, and the shore of the deep sea, we went sorrowfully, pouring out great tears in abundance. Meanwhile, Circe, who also had gone down close to the black ship, tethered a male sheep there, and a female also, a black one, easily passing us by. What mortal could look with his eyes on any god who did not wish to be seen, either coming or going?